Welcome everybody to another episode of the Suited Kings podcast. Today I have a very special guest, one many of you know from grinding the Midwest scene. He has 3.1 million in earnings. He's an MSPT, HPT, and a WSOP circuit <laughs> champion. He's got a MSPT player of the year, Hall of, the, uh, Hall of Fame title. And uh, also, I believe you eclipsed 1 million in uh, 2023 earnings this year. Uh, welcome to the podcast, Josh. Hey, thanks, man. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. So word on the street is that you're a professional prop better. And I've seen a little bit of this. <laughs> is this true? Uh, no, professional degenerate. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, you know, we'll get started here. I, I want to kind of get uh, into the depths of prop betting. What is your favorite prop bet that you've ever made? Um, wow, well, I have no idea. There's so many. I just I just like to gamble on everything and anything, basically. Do you feel like you have an edge on all your props, on all your bets? No, basically... Uh... If it's close to break even, I'll gamble on it. Okay. I mean, hey, that sounds good to me too. Um, so you know Brad Jansen, uh bracelet winner Brad Jansen. Yeah, I know. Yeah, I know. <laughs> we got I just wanted to juice him up a little bit. You know how it is. Um <laughs> Yeah, I don't like that. <laughs> uh he actually wanted me to ask you to bring up uh, uh the milk dud prop bet. Can you tell us about that? Oh wow, yeah, that was a good one. Uh we were playing my home game. This was just last week, the other night, and um one time when I was like I don't know, seven years old, I had a good idea to try to fit as many milk duds in my mouth as I can. Oh, nice. Okay. So the other night at the home game, I was like, okay, let's run this back. And uh, <laughs> I decided to try to bet on it. So Wait, like, did you uh, have these milk duds already or did you go get them? <laughs> the guy that plays the home game managed with some quick trips around town and brought a bunch of candy. So okay. we All had right. some milk duds on hand. So I was like, the light bulb went off. What's the details? Uh, I was just like, how many milk does you guys think I can fit in my mouth? And so <laughs> so we started uh, negotiating the terms. And I, I said that they're, they're like the little mini boxes of milk duds. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Like four, Josh, before four. you say anything, I want Max and me. Let's get like, oh, what yeah. Would, guess, Max, what would yeah. your guess be? Okay. This is tough. How many milk does hard, in a box? Yeah. Do we know? There's like four in each of those little boxes, roughly. Okay. Oh, and is the question how many duds or how many boxes? Either way. Same. Shit. Okay. So there's four in each box. Shit. I would say you fit uh, probably three and a half boxes. I'm going to go. So that'd be like 14. I'm going to say more like 19. I feel 19 like we're way out. Are we under? You guys are under. Yeah, way under. Yeah. <laughs> okay. I have a feeling that was it. All yeah. right. I mean, final I, number? I set the line at 11 and a half boxes of mini boxes of milk oh, duds. Oh, wow. So what's yeah. that 46 milk duds yeah and that's fucking insane the one guy is like i was trying to get people to take action i didn't know really like i don't know i hadn't done this since i was seven years old so and the time i did it when i was like seven years old we were i was in the backseat of a car we were driving down the highway and i started like laughing hysterically with my mouth full of milk duds and like drooling all over the place it was a disaster but it was okay. hilarious Okay, so did this uh -huh. happen at the poker table then? This one happened at the poker table. That one, I was like, yeah. The, okay. the most, the recent one did. That one, yeah. This one we did at the poker table. I had like, I don't know, somewhere like a, a bowl in front of me. I don't know. It was going to be okay, I think. I don't know, unless <laughs> I choked it died or something. We could have bet on that too, maybe. All right. And then uh, and did you end up winning this bet? Um. Okay, so that, that's, that, that was the best part of this prop bet, the story, I guess. I don't know. Okay. Uh, so it was... I guess 46 milk duds was the line. So I got, I went and got 12 boxes. We're, we're settling on the betting terms and uh, we, we ended up betting on it. I had the over and my buddy's opening the boxes. I'm just like dumping them in my mouth and I'm on the last box and it's like 
very close. After I had two boxes in my mouth, I was like, there's no way I'm going to be able to do this. But like, I guess <laughs> my cheeks are pretty big. I, I kept going and he had I, the will. <laughs> yeah, we got it in there. And uh, <laughs> on the last one, dude, I literally like almost choked and I could. I don't know. There was like almost no room left, but I didn't have to like chew them and get them down. Mm hmm. Once I got them in there, I could spit them out. Okay. I mean, I feel like that'd be impossible. That, Once you're that capped makes out, easy, you can't even move right? your mouth. Yeah. So, like, also, you makes be it easy, right? if you were, you know. What, yeah. What I don't know. But uh, actually, once I got them in there, I did chew them and get them down anyways. Oh, <laughs> I did it. It probably took like almost five minutes, but and I did Did it. you have a gut wrench afterwards? There was like, they took a, like pictures and a video. It was kind of funny. Wow. Uh, I would imagine that that was a really good time. Everybody's laughing their ass off. It was funny. Yeah, we were, we were laughing. It was pretty good. It was entertaining. Okay, but the, the funny part is there's this guy that's like old school, hippie kind of guy. A lot of classic rock concerts, done way too many drugs in his life. Yeah, yeah. After the dust settles and my buddy pays me, he's like, uh, well, that was only 11 boxes, the guy says. I'm like, I went and grabbed 12 boxes. He's like, oh, yeah, I ate one of them. <laughs> I'm like, what? Oh, I didn't know you guys were betting on that. I'm like, well, he was there the whole time, just oblivious to everything going around on around him. So, uh, and he didn't we have went, a stake in the bet either. He didn't. No, no. But he was like sitting there the whole time. But he's just like a complete airhead. Didn't know what was going on. And uh, we went and checked. The, we had video proof, photo evidence. We went and checked the VOD. And so you only got 11 boxes. Confirmed only 11 boxes in it. So I would have needed to get like two more milk duds in my mouth for a push, three to win. I don't think I would have been able to do it. I don't know. Did you guys so wash the bet? I gave him his money back and then he gave me half of it. And he's like, here, this is for uh, effort and entertainment. So, so that's, <laughs> how, that, that's how that ended up. It was Dude, that's nice. That's sick, man. Hey, that's pretty fun. <laughs> what, yeah. you know, just a man full of talents that, you know what I mean? Like I could, <laughs> yeah. could never have uh, expected that you'd fit 40 plus milk duds in your mouth. I, I <laughs> guess, you know, I don't, I haven't really eaten them. I've, Clearly, you and I had no idea how big or small they were. I haven't ate a milk dud since I was a child. Yeah, I have no idea. Yeah. But it, well it done. shows Josh. the randomness of <laughs> what I'm willing to gamble on, you know? Okay. Yeah. Before we move on from prop betting, I'm just curious. Do you think you make money like at the end of the year over a year's term or, you know, year's length? Do you think you profit or lose money prop betting? I feel like this well, is I, kind of rhetorical, but. I'm sure I profit. Yeah. 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 I, I mean, I feel like everybody feels that you profit off that stuff. Anytime I yeah, hear I someone talking about it, that's kind of their input. I don't keep track of it, but I would imagine I probably profit. <laughs> I'm, pretty, I'm pretty lucky guy. I, I, I think I, it, you, that'd be a six you, spreadsheet, man. And then you'd say what you did and how much money you made. Like, imagine making a book out of that. <laughs> it'd be hard to overcome just at what I went off bread and uh, CCR. Uh, no, so funny you brought that up actually because his second question was ask him how he's so good at credit card roulette <laughs> i could learn from that too. Uh, brad brad's got a good job and he's won a ton of money i think he's all right yeah he'll be all right um all right cool man well i appreciate you kind of describing that experience that was pretty sweet getting into poker i, I see on hand and mob it looks like your first cash dates back to 2012 when did you actually get into poker and, and like, what did that look like? I was like, my mom and dad like weaned me on a deck of cards. My dad played poker. My mom didn't. But my mom like taught me how to count, like showing like blackjack hands. Okay. When I, my whole life I was raised on a deck of cards. So cards okay. are like life to me my entire life since I could walk basically. And I've been playing poker, like family poker tournaments around the house since I could remember stuff like that. And then Pops, Pops showed me poker. He's always played poker. You guys know Pops, the legend. Yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah. For the listeners out there, Pops is uh, 
Josh's dad, Brett, who's also a poker grinder. Yeah. So um, he, we used to, he, he showed me how to play on like poker stars back in the day or on other online sites. And uh, I was going to ask get, you about that. Yeah. We'd get like a 12 pack of Budweiser, 12 pack of Mountain Dew and like a order of pizza and just sit down and grind. And he just showed me how to play when I was like, I don't know, anywhere from probably like 11 years old is when he like started showing me online how to play and stuff like that. And then he'd take me to like play in like local tournaments at like bowling alleys and stuff like that bowling alleys and banquet halls stuff like that nice man well they always say like you know i mean when you look at people who are at the best of their craft they start young so it's really cool to see that that's kind of how you um you fit that path there yeah just um, always like i don't know just did online kinda... stick with you at all i i mean i i've always played a little bit like even back then i played more just once i could play live i just like live a lot more Okay. And then uh, we actually, so we have a Discord channel, Suited King's Discord channel, where we have a bunch of members in. And I mentioned that we were going to be having a conversation with you today. And uh, one of our members, Wooks, had a question about you and your dad. And um, just curious, like how competitive, competitive it is between the two of you, whether between poker or, you know, do you guys do betting stuff like that? Are you guys pretty competitive? Not that much. I mean, we... Uh when we play together like we busted each other in tournaments it's funny because i'm sure for a long time only he had busted me and it was hilarious we were playing like a satellite at Nesquaki into like the mspt there back in the day it gets to the river and i'm bluffing uh he bet and i shoved over his river bet it's like a four liner to a straight on the board and he had like a 10 high straight on a six seven eight nine board okay he's like, he says to the whole table oh you guys think he's got jack 10 and like slow rolls me <laughs> calls, calls with the 10 high straight and whatever i had never busted him in a tournament up until that time he he uh we're like three from the money in a 1100 circuit event and council bluffs and maybe like 10 minutes before steve beal had come up and asked have you guys ever busted each other in a tournament because we're at the same table i was like well pops has busted me but i've never busted him and i probably have like 100 big blinds in this tournament and he has 20 and i'm opening every pot and it, it folds to me and the cutoff he's the big blind and i have two kings and i'm like steve we might get our chance and I <laughs> you gave the speech yeah I, I open and uh pops shoves i call because i have to yeah. i would prefer not to bust pops but i'm not gonna cheat and collude i call and he turns over eight so i'm just rooting for an eight like yeah i'm back i've been back for seven years by the same guy situation that i would never leave like no matter what happens like i have a great situation i'm glad to hear that like yeah like like the greatest guy like i don't know whatever i just never leave my back and deal and then pops used to back me in poker when i first started playing okay that was also a great situation for me like uh he would put me in poker tournaments and I mean, don't better I, than to have your dad your biggest supporter you know what i mean yeah that was cool he he, he would put me in poker tournaments and whatever i cashed for i just got to keep how's that oh for wow a deal? That's a pretty good yeah, deal, man. Yeah. Yeah, that was that was cool. So now it's it's roles reverse. I put pops in tournaments. Okay. Um, nice. I don't give him a sweetheart deal he gave me otherwise. I, I, that's hard to keep up with. That's the uh, circle of life, man. Tricky. Like, you know, they they put you know, they clean your diapers and one day maybe you'll be cleaning his diapers. So <laughs> Yeah, but so if you think about it, now we're three from the money in this tournament. I'm backed and I back him. So it folds to me and I open kings and he, he shoves. You're praying like, for an aid for him just so you don't feel it bad. It really sucks them. for me to bust it. I have more equity in him than I do in myself, you know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but it is what it is. I'm, I can't, it's like not fair for me to, you just have to play straightforward here if you have any morals. 
Yeah, um, I mean, exactly. No, and that's just, you know, I'm glad to hear that you take that route. I wouldn't ever expect anything less from you, obviously. So, yeah, but I, so we don't like try to outdo each other or anything, but we bust each other in tournaments and stuff like that. Competitively, we're just always rooting for each other and things like that. As you should be, right? No, and, and, um, both of you guys have always been super stand up dudes, like never, no negativity, always social, like, I don't know, just enjoyable to be around both you guys. Yeah, he's a great time to play with. He's entertaining at the table for sure. Appreciate it. <laughs> for sure. Um, okay, so moving past like how you got started in poker, you were you were obviously very young. And then when did you find the World Series of Poker circuit? When I first started playing, well, I guess when I was 18, we would go to like Florida and Iowa and Minnesota where you could be 18 and plus and play. You guys yep. probably did that too before you were 21. Yeah. Well, Matt, sure. you probably did, did you did you Wes or um just in Minnesota. I wasn't yeah. that serious. I guess I played in England, but I was even 21 when I was out there. So yeah. So I'd play some of those. So I'd play like those weren't circuit stuff. So as soon as I turned 21, I started p- playing some circuit stuff. I don't know. I guess just like seeing it on like online and stuff like that is probably where we okay. saw the name and the brand and started started playing that. Um I mean, did you always have a desire to collect as many rings? I mean, obviously you want to win as much as possible, but did you have like a desire to be atop of any leaderboards or did that just come with your desire to play poker? Yeah, I don't think that was ever even something that was in my mind or really thought of as a possibility when I first started. Like, I mean, you have 15, 15 circuit rings, right? Yeah. And that's, I believe, second now behind 16 is the total or something like that. Yeah. Ari's up top and like Ari. I mean Ari was up top Ari and Alex Masick maybe were up top back when I first started playing the circuit yep. yeah and like those are names that like you would think of I don't know especially Ari just like I mean this guy's been on top of the game forever for, forever right so like yeah. when you say did you ever think of yourself like as being on top of the, those leaderboards when I started out and I was 21 I had no caches no nothing you know what I mean like did I think of myself being on top of a leaderboard with Ari ever? No, not at all. You know, so that was that like 2012 then? Yeah. Yeah, it was 21. That was 12. Okay, cool. And then I guess my second question uh, lingering on that topic is what was the circuit like at that time and how is it different than it is now? Oh, it was so cool and so much better back then, in my opinion. They they always had the the leaderboard, which was made it fun and competitive to where you could try to qualify for the it's called what's it called now the the global or the oh just called the tournament champions now but it used that it used to be called the national championship and then they changed it to be called the global casino championship what i, I was literally about just we we're looking at your hand and mob and i'm like what is this thing you got third place in um but yeah good to know yeah so that used to be so fun to like travel the circuit and chase and try to qualify for the way they did it was like there was a leaderboard where you got points throughout the year for like every cash was worth two and a half points. Every cash where you're in the top 50% of the people that cash is worth five points. Top 30% of people that cash is worth 10 points. And then the final table starts being worth more up to first place was worth 50 points. And everybody that was in the top 50 of the total season leaderboard qualified to be into that. And then everybody that they won, put all 50 in all 50 yeah. that were on I mean, the leaderboard. These days, it's like seven or eight hundred that qualify. Yeah, I mean, they have a lot more events now, ring events and stuff like online and all that stuff. Yeah, so it used to be the top 50 on the overall leaderboard and points got to go as well as everybody that won a circuit main throughout the year, which was like another 20 to 25 players. And then everybody that won what was called the casino champion, which was the person that got the most points at that stop throughout the year. So it ended up being 
in the beginning it was a hundred players. So it was a million dollar free roll with a hundred players. So okay. it was like a 10 K seat. Right. And did they have it so that you could buy into that, but you'd have to pay 10 grand. Am I remembering that correctly? Or is that at the not time? True? Yes, it was, uh, it was only the top 200 WSOP player of the year points earners from the prior two years could buy okay. in for 10. <laughs> okay. And, uh, Probably like very specific. Yeah. 10 to 20 of them would do it each year. So the field would be like 110 to 115, 120 players, you know, and the price price pool would be like 1.1 to 1.2 million. That's pretty sick. And, uh, you know, why? I'm, I'm not sure why they got rid of that. I do remember. So this is before I ever even played a circuit, but I remember the global casino or not that, but the casino championship scoreboards were like you would win casino champion, right? Like yeah. if you got enough points or whatever, and that's what would qualify you for this. Besides, like Alex, uh, is Alex Masick, right? Was that his name? I think yeah, that's how and and Ari Angle. Who who were some yeah. other who were some other players when you first started? Like that inspired you or that you looked up to that you thought uh, were really well or really good? Oh man, there's so many. Um, Just there a couple was, that pop up. Yeah, there was uh, Alan Kessler. Yeah, Alan Kessler. Yeah, he inspires me at the slot machines. <laughs> uh, <laughs> shit. <laughs> Back in the day when I first started inspiring players, uh, man, that's so long ago. I'm so old. He's <laughs> 30, 32 washed. Ari's always up there. Um, Lowry, who's up at the top of the leaderboard, is, you know, he's he's doing it. He's, he's really... Wes and I just oh, both man. had our first Dan Lowry experiences this oh, year. Oh, yeah. Council yeah. Bluffs. Yeah. yeah both of us did. <laughs> Yeah, um, that, was, that was interesting. He's definitely a ripper, though. He's, uh, you know, I mean, a blaster. You know, his his game is so like unpredictable from it day is. to day. It's like my dad plays a little like that too, where like you might play with him one day, and he might play like so different than he plays the next really? day. Okay, that's interesting. It's, I was curious. I was curious. I mean, he has incredible results. I mean, undeniable results. And when I was watching him play it made me wonder how he achieved all these results. <laughs> so that kind of makes sense that he kind of just is, you know, balanced all yeah. over the place. Or yeah, no, he's separate. got like great instincts um, and very aggressive. Very, um, yeah. He's got something going from like that, that Maurice does and who else? Blake, Blake does yep. too, mm -hmm. where they're good at getting people to do what they want them to do. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I'm glad you brought that up because those are three prime people. And a lot of times it's done through. Well, I don't know about Dan, but like I know Blake and Maurice will just yap until, you know, I mean, they'll just <laughs> they'll talk you into doing something you don't want to do. Yeah, um, they're kind of I mean, he's he, he's not really um, doing it in the same way as those guys. OK, yeah, with his gameplay, he'll get people set up, you know, and that's a hard thing to do. I mean, that's right. That's. I guess, the, Wes, you should ask him your question that you had told me you were going to ask him about the art. Yeah. It'd be a kind of a great time. Yeah, I was going to get into it. But would you consider poker more of an art or a science? Mm, I would say an art for sure. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's just so, so deep and so many nuances. Like, there's like, uh, I don't know, it's more of a creative game. And like, yeah, I don't know. I think an art. Yeah. Okay. That's interesting. So would, does that mean you would probably consider yourself more of a field player. Yeah. So when we talk about Lowry or, you know, somebody like that there or Blake, these guys are like full exploit field players. Yeah. Uh, I think that I am an exploit field player 
with a larger understanding of theory. Yeah, that's kind of exactly it. Wes and I were talking about what how we thought you are where we thought you fit. And that's pretty much exactly what we had said. Yeah, no, that's exactly I think almost I would, word for word. What we had yeah, said. yeah. I would say that they're better field players than I am and better exploit. They, they probably have better reads, better instincts, stuff like that. And then I probably have better theory. Okay. Yeah. So talk about that a bit, because I think a lot of times people are quick to put someone in one bucket or the other. But how does, um, first off, how do you improve your understanding of theory? And second off, how does your understanding of theory help your ability to exploit opponents? Oh, I'm sorry. Say that one more time. Okay. Yeah. Let's start with the first one. So just how do you go about studying and how do you, you know, how do you improve your understanding of poker theory? I have some friends that are like really deep into studying. I'm not as deep into, I mean, I, I do some studying, but like I have some friends that I go to more for it. The main one would be Burke, you know, Burke. He, yeah, yeah. I know hunted to you plenty of times, Max. <laughs> so he is like the biggest into studying of probably my closest friends. So if Absolutely. I need to bounce something off of him that I want to see what theory based yeah. thought yeah. would be, I would take it to him probably. That makes um, sense. I think that's you. I kind of fall into that same category as you, Josh, where I, I mean, I study, but um, jo or Wes, for example, is far more studied than I am, especially with like solver tools and, and solvers in general. But my point is, is that being friends with him and other people who think on that level, me talking hands with them and them just kind of explaining their thought process in the way that they see it through learning through those tools kind of then implements into my game. You know what I mean? So now my theory of our understanding of theory is a lot stronger just by talking hands with them, even though I don't, I didn't necessarily put it through a tool, et cetera. Yeah. I've always felt that way. Like having just like in general, you're going to pick up a lot of friends on the live scene there's a lot of good people out there like poker sometimes gets a bad rap but like the poker community and stuff like that but there's a lot of good people out there Absolutely. and mm -hmm. there's like different types of people from so many different places and so many different worlds and areas and like you're gonna meet a lot of different types of people and people that think in so many different ways and you get to hear their thought processes when you talk poker with them and then you you could use that i've said this before is like you can use that to to relate to other people at poker tables that you think might think similarly. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, and backing up real quickly, I just want to mention, I know you had said people like Blake and Maurice, you think that they're better at exploiting than you. I mean, I don't know how that can be quantifiable, but from an outsider's perspective, such as my own, I think that you're right up there with them, if not better. So that's just kind of my opinion on it. Yeah, I appreciate it. I mean, I think their results are like tough to argue with. Um, all three of you have incredible results. And yeah, know, I guess that leads to a kind of a, a question. I mean, Wes and I were mentioning this a little bit ago, uh, you know, being a new player, someone who doesn't uh, fully under, you know, hasn't been in the scene a long time, doesn't have a full grasp on poker and how things work over the long run. They find or they see these specific people like you, Blake, et cetera, um, constantly having great results. And they think that you have this special sauce or a secret that that they don't have. What is the secret sauce to you? And obviously, I mean, 
you don't have to word it in such that it is a secret sauce, but what, what does that mean to you? No, some people like come to me and ask that type of thing or whatever. And it's just like, you know, there's a lot of people, it's like kind of sucks to say this, but like, they're, they're just not like, they don't have it in them. You know, okay. there's like, it's not teachable, you know? Okay. Yeah. I think it's like a mixture of a bunch of random things that go together very well that I happen to be fortunate enough. And a, a lot of people in poker happen to be fortunate enough that they were born with combined with like the will and the drive to be willing to like put in some work and put it all together and figure it out. You know, I think there's a lot of people that are just blessed with the instincts and the natural talent. And yeah. then there's yeah. a lot of people that work really really hard and those people are the people at the top of the game you know some combination of the two and then there's some select people that are like the top top that have both combined you know that makes sense yeah it's like it's so you're kind of explaining in a way of natural talent versus like acquired talent or acquired mm -hmm. skill yeah right yeah well just to... have both you know yeah yeah going into that more i'm glad you kind of put it that way because when i was thinking about that you know i've gotten that question in a lot of different forms too and I'm glad you said what you did about just like working very hard at it, because I think even even if you are someone who is blessed with the instincts and a lot of the tools that it takes, like you can't actually be very good unless you are really trying to improve your game and you're playing a lot and you're thinking about it a lot. Yeah. Um, yeah. Being passionate. Exactly. Like, yeah, hungry it only gets, it. it only gets you so far. Right. Mm -hmm. it's, it's, it, it'll get you to slight winner, you know, breaky, whatever, you know, it only gets you so far. But yeah. that, I do think that there's a lot to just having the natural instincts for the game, you know, which is what, what makes poker a beautiful game. It's like there's the people that really study and are really solved. And then there's the people that like, that's why poker is like such a beautiful game. Yeah, 100%. I, I love that we can be both ways, you know, I mean, and yeah. still be a winner, play, a winning player. Yeah, it's it's never going to like solvers are never going to kill poker because there's it's it's so much deeper than that, you know, 100 mm -hmm. percent. Um, So I guess this will kind of <laughs> I'm not sure if you know what this is um, oh. and correct me if I'm wrong here, but um, being someone who has like such consistent results such as yourself, what does a downswing look like to you? Do you know what a downswing is? <laughs> yeah, I've, I've had I've had for sure. I've had uh, I'm I've just probably had like six figure downswings. So. OK. How many? Yeah. Like, uh, two of them were at like 400 to 1K average buy-in type range, you know? So I've had decent sized downs. One time I went 0 for 59 bullets fired. 59. That, that answers both. That's a real downswing, yeah. That might be, a, I mean, shit. <laughs> I think mine is 28 or something. So, so yeah. when you talk about people that you look up to, this is kind of a good story. Phil and Lonnie Huey, they're, they're both really good, like, They've Old been school. legends for a long time. Yeah. Phil's yeah, a brace of winner. One time I was hanging out with them and we were like on a circuit stop and they were, Lonnie said something like, oh, well, what if you go over 20, blah, blah, this and that. And I'm like, oh, for 20, what's that? I've never done that, you know, like, <laughs> and that was, I don't know, when I was only around for a couple of years. And then, yeah, I went over 59 at some point after that. So, and, and I mean, that's, is that live only? Live only. Yeah. That's, I mean, a tough stretch. <laughs> that, I don't know. It was like. Oh man, uh, I would be like, withered. <laughs> it was like after I final tabled the Millie Maker for like six figures and right before I won HPT for six figures. So like it was a good time to go over 59. Like the yeah. two scores yeah. sandwiched between made it all right. Like it wasn't that miserable, you know? Do you yeah. think, and I'm just curious, um, Wes and I have been talking about winner's tilt a little bit lately. Do you think that considering it came after two great results that that could have been part of the reasoning for your downswing? You know, I mean, do you feel like um, you overplayed, you were overconfident, anything like that? 
another person you talk about looking up to is uh nick papillo um yep. my friend uh nick ravello i don't know if you guys know him yep, i know uh, nick yeah he, he talks about papillo being the worst at winter's tilt they i don't i don't think that it contributes to me at all with winter's tilt okay. he said that he he always says in this group chat we're in that papillo never does good after he wins which i don't know if it's true or not i don't i don't think that it has anything to do with me i don't think i struggle with that at all and i don't know if papillo does either but okay. uh that's an interesting question. I, I, I think the answer is no for me. I don't think it has anything to do with mine. Okay. okay. And and how do you deal with these down that like when you hit that, what was it, fifty-six, you said? How how uh how do you deal with that like emotionally, mentally? I don't know. I just keep living life. It doesn't phase me at all, honestly. I don't know why. It's just another thing I'm blessed to be born with. It's just like a good mindset. Yeah. Do you now do you think uh I think a lot of players feel differently? Um, even professionals a lot of the time will be affected by that sort of thing. Do you notice other players, um, whether it's players at the table you're playing against or friends you talk to, do you notice people playing differently, whether they've been winning or losing recently? Definitely, yeah. We were just talking about that in the group chat with Brad. You were talking about, um, uh, I'll bet you the majority of poker players tilt and have a mindset where they struggle with things. And I would say the majority of those players that do tilt and struggle, you don't see it. Some of them are vocal and visual and you yep. can see it, but a lot of them, it's an inner struggle, you know? Definitely. Just, so just like people would deal with like depression and anxiety. You might not see it or know it, you know? That makes, yeah, it's a great way to describe it. I think that's a very accurate answer. So it's not the sort of thing where you'll see it at the table necessarily and you'll adjust to it. It's just kind of something that is more behind the scenes with people. Yeah, but it's, it's probably a lot of people are probably tilting in, in their mind and ready to smash your face in at the table, but you just have no idea when you yeah. beat them in a pot. Yeah, absolutely. But, but but definitely some people at the table, you can see them tilting. Yeah, I would agree with that. Um, and do you now? I know you had said that you don't really feel that way. Um, do you feel like there's anything in your game or any times when you've um, played differently due to emotional reasons? Have you ever really tilted you know in a positive or negative way or are you playing um do you feel like your game is always just very consistently good i think um always very consistently consistently good with one exception i was tilted one time in my poker career i think and it was at um riverside recently and really okay yeah let's hear it how was that your table at that tournament i think it was like oh it was like kind of a long too long of a story to really go into it but it was just like a a sequence of events that happened where the people around me were just putting me on complete tilt with their everything they were doing and it like never happens to me and it happened like this guy did something where he like i don't know he like accidentally slow rolled me or something which wasn't a big deal but like everything he said or did after it it was like how is this happening and then on to like something else happening and then this other guy beat me in a hand where the way he played it was like completely bizarre. And then after it, he was explaining why he did it. Like yeah. it, was <laughs> it probably most... made no sense. Well, it was like in his mind, it was the most incredible play of all time. I'm sure. And then... <laughs> but it was like so many things consecutively happening. And then, yeah, it, it, it was whatever. It just Did you end up like... reacting then? No, I feel like actually I blundered some hands and it, it might have been because of that like okay 
your brain maybe wasn't as you were didn't have the clarity because maybe you were yeah. kind of yeah potentially i was like i was like out of my fucking gourd in this situation like i don't know <laughs> i've never really dealt with it before so yeah okay. prob- probably i don't know well that's a good thing that that's something that's so far and few between probably also at or contributes to your results as well i mean yeah. obviously a lot of players and we i know you see it all the time i see it all the time wes sees it all the time is players who are you know newer to the game tilt and end up making terrible plays until they're out of the tournament over and over so it you know it ends up really having a negative impact on their game yeah Um, how about you guys deal with any of that you know i do so i I feel like outwardly i don't show it at all i feel like it's gone down over the years but a little bit here and there yeah i definitely internalize mine a lot i never have outbreak you know outbursts at the table or anything like that um but I'll, i'll kind of have you know a little confession in my car sometime on the way home, just kind of like let it out there. I never outwardly express it, but yeah, I mean, I feel it, I guess. I just don't, I, I try my hardest not to let it affect my decisions. And I feel like that's something I put a lot of effort into over the years as I believe it used to when I was newer to the game. So, so when you say you were at my table in that one, you could tell that story. <laughs> Do you remember that? Yeah, that, that was like the, <laughs> Person that was in the big blind is one of my best friends in life. One of my dad's best friends. <laughs> is it? Way. Yeah, I, 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 I knew you guys knew each other just from your yeah. quick conversations you're having. But I'm just, I'm, I want to hear your thoughts on it now. So I don't remember the details exactly, but I think we're three or four from the money. Is that right? I wasn't there, and I remember the details from what you told uh, me. Possibly. I can. All right. Well, <laughs> we'll do I it. think it might have been two. I think it might have been two from the money. Even yeah, yeah. we were pretty much soft bubble. We we're right next to the you know two from the money. Um, I think I had somewhere around twenty big blinds. Mm-hmm. Um, I oh, it folds to me on the button. I had King Nine off, right? Yeah. So yeah. I, yeah. go ahead. I think, Wes has yeah. got the fucking break. So I, so. I was there. Um, I did not bag that time, unfortunately. But I was just running off to buy Max some Advil or something. Yeah, I told him. And then like, he, don't a headache. And then when I left, there were seventy four left, and seventy two were going to make the money. So it was two from the bubble. Max comes as I'm buying the Advil. Just this look of pure disgust on his face <laughs> and he tells me yeah so i think he had 26 bigs um you raise king nine on the button from 5k to 10k so min raise the big blind tries to flick in a call but puts in two 5k chips so on top of his big line that makes it 15k yeah which is a legal so, raise let, let me add something here yeah. yeah everybody at the table was all okay with it being a call including the dealer yeah, and then it's the guy, what's his Dan name? Son, Dan Sun. He won Dan. two MSBTs in the past. Yeah, yeah. He's like, he's like, uh, that's gonna be a, that's gotta be a raise dealer, and and then and then made it be forced to be a min raise. Which, what do you guys think? Like, do you think like he should have said something in that spot, or uh, you know, I I I wasn't mad at him for it by any means. Yeah, like, I, I think it's fine either way. I feel like he shouldn't have said something, but yeah. like, I mean. The rule is the rule, like technically. Right. It's, it's clear what he was Obvious trying to do. Trying to call, you know, yeah. but it yeah. doesn't matter. I I get it, but I don't know. Yeah. And, and then so me, you know, I, I was like, this is a great time to exploit this situation. And he's yeah. clear. He doesn't have a three betting hand here. He's going to be weak enough to where I can just shove and win his, you know, his misclick. Oh, like, I thought it was just a slam dunk it's, spot. It's a spot for you, in my opinion. What do you think, Max? Yeah, he's, he's just facing a big blind defend hand. Like, yeah, just yep. pretty- yes. So why? And then, so yeah, he he ends up min clicking it. I ended up ripping it, and he calls off with Ace Ten off. So and, it, I, and we lose. Makes a lot of sense. Like he was just wanted to defend Ace Ten off, and then yeah. now he's 
people. This little bastard's trying to take advantage of me. I'm going to get him. Yeah. <laughs> he got me, though. <laughs> so I ended up bubbling Riverside, which was kind of painful considering like it was supposed to be like a really easy cash considering where I was at. Yeah, that was an interesting. Yeah. I do think the yeah, technically the rule is that it's a raise. And there are certain situations where if I see something, I'll speak up because it looks like it's, you know, the dealer should have done something differently but in that situation i don't think i would have spoken up I yeah think i would have just said like yeah that seems like a call well i'm glad yeah. that so yeah. i don't know i don't even know his name or anything like that but i'm glad to hear that he seems like a really good dude did he make a yeah run? yeah his name's steve alonzo i think he he probably got top three tables or four tables or something okay so yeah did all right yeah i don't think anybody did anything wrong in the hand like um rule wise or whatever i don't think anybody was out of line i think it was fine whatever. i had no I, ill will towards dan towards the big uh towards your friend or anyone at yeah. all no i just i thought it was uh, what i was upset about was how like the dumbest little situation such as him misclicking ended up costing me to bubble you know what i mean <laughs> yeah well that was a fun situation the way that everything happened though yeah yeah and it's not it's anyone's fault button. but my own you know trying to take advantage of the situation so yeah an open button got accidentally men clicked and thought you were gonna just get it through which why wouldn't you right and no. then like busting two <laughs> off the bunny because of it it was such a weird situation <laughs> you know anyways a lot of weird shit happens in poker so just <laughs> one more to add to the list like again as someone like you wes and i we've been playing poker for uh, you know for a long time now i have a lot of experience and you just run into weird shit sometimes. It's things you know you won't expect to happen. So cool. Well, Wes, did you have anything else you wanted to dig into on that? Yeah, yeah. A couple, not necessarily on that exact topic, but I'm curious, just like what motivates you to succeed in poker? You know, is it love of the game? I guess, yeah, I'll let you take away that answer. So yeah. So yeah, I, I love the game of poker. That'd be, probably be like first and foremost. I just love it. I just love human interaction in poker. Um, I love, uh, the, the game, the nuances to it, everything about it. I just think it's a great game. So going out there and being able to enjoy it every day and doing something you love is great. And to make um, a living off it. Yeah. It's incredible. Yeah. So when you asked if pops and I are competitive, we're like super competitive people, just not with each other Okay. in mm -hmm. beating each other, like competing with each other and how we do like trying to do better than each other or something like that. Yeah. So like yeah. use it as like, motivation. Yeah. Competitive factors like, yeah, just like doing just like winning. I love winning. So, yep. You know, you gotta have like, that mindset to have the results someone like you has, though. I mean, in poker, especially like I think confidence and and um, just that desire to win goes a long way in a game like poker. Yeah, so I don't know. I'm just going out there trying to like buy into the tournament. I'm trying to win the tournament. Like I don't know. I burn burn money to try to win tournaments sometimes for sure. So. <laughs> don't we all, man? <laughs> yeah. You know. You know what actually occurred to me, and I wasn't even planning on asking this question, but I was asked this question very recently. I thought it was a very good one. Um, do you find that being the best or being close to the best at a game like poker? is part of your identity and that is part of what motivates you too? Um, that's a good question. I don't, don't think I would say no. Okay. I, I think in reality, I don't think I'm the best. I think there's too many very, very good poker players in the world. So I don't think that I, I use that as motivation because if you, if you look at like my career and what I do, 
I'm not playing as someone who is the best or who's trying to be the best. Otherwise, I would be doing different things in my career. If I was trying to be the best, I would be taking different approaches. You know what I mean? You can't be the best yeah. playing what I play, you know? Yeah. Yeah, I suppose. Is there a, is there a certain point... If your results started falling off, would you feel that not in a financial sense, but you'd be like, okay, no, I, I know that I am capable of being better than this. And you know what I'm saying? Like there's a, like maybe the being the best in the world is not the, the being metric the in, or the benchmark, in, but being as good as you know, West, you can be say the best on this tour or something like that. Yeah, maybe. yeah exactly. Being at okay. the top of the leaderboard for rings, et cetera. Yeah. Right. I mean, the rings thing that's not even something i aspire for because the circuit's dust but yeah that's so sad <laughs> <laughs> the circuit sucks but it is what it is they they ruined everything we could talk, we'll go back to that because something you said earlier but um okay. yeah like being being like the best in like this these tours and what we're playing and stuff like that is like something competitively i'd like to i'd like to do and i think is achievable sure you know? so, yeah yeah that's it yeah, competitively. Yeah, I try to achieve that status. I guess that's fair. Yeah. What What did um, you want to get back into there? So you said, I wonder why they changed that. Like the, yeah. the old leaderboard. Remember when you said that? I'm assuming it's money. Yeah, it's just like greed, right? So like yeah. they went to unlimited reentries, which everybody went to unlimited reentries. But like if you think about that leaderboard in unlimited reentries, then it just becomes a who has more money, right? Yeah, it's I mean, not really not really a fair leaderboard anymore it's not like even playing field yeah agree yeah. whoever fires the most bullets is just going to get on the leaderboard so they just got rid of it That's instead right i mean like still like a better players will be up there right i mean but like if if the person that just wants to fire the most money at it probably could get there so it, yeah. it, once they go unlimited re-entries it, it, that leaderboard kind of it's 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 harder to like i don't know have it be a level playing field yeah. Thing to do why they got rid of it. Plus, they added so it started getting more and more watered down over the years. Like they added all the international events, and then there ended up being more. And then they added all the online events, and then there ended up being more. And then yeah, they just kept changing it and changing it. And it kept getting worse and worse. The seat kept getting more and more devalued, and then they just started eventually making it to where everybody that wins a ring is in, and and then everybody who wins a bracelet is also in, and then yeah, just kept getting worse and worse. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. It's super diluted. I mean, I think last year it was seven hundred some, and and it's still you know a million dollar free roll. But you know, back when you did it, it was the. I mean, you've done it since, but back then it was like a ten, a, the equivalent of a ten k, and now. It's more the equivalent of like a fifteen hundred free roll yeah. or something, mm -hmm. which, which is still nice. They do something, and like I appreciate, like you know, we're lucky to be able to have anything, you know. So whatever, I don't want to seem like an entitled, ungrateful person. But no, like, you're just being realistic, though. I mean, you're just kind of saying what you've experienced and what I uh, think a lot of us have experienced over a lot of different places doing things like that in poker. Yeah, uh, it, it's fallen off. They they did like and then they got rid of live reporting and then they, they've done so many things that made me go away from the circuit and they did get live reporting back and they have done kind some. Of. Yeah, kind of like it's better. Like they got it back to some extent. It's better than, you know, what it was last year. And, Shout out to Liam. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Poker org. They're they're doing it. So, yeah. yeah, I do. I do agree with what you're saying, though, and in the sense that like when there's so much poker and you're you know or so many like events for the same sort of series like bracelet series circuit events 
and you're able to buy in unlimited times for all of them, it sort of dilutes the importance or the prestige that comes with those sort of accomplishments and awards of either winning yeah. a bracelet or winning a leaderboard, you know, that sort of thing. Poker is an interesting game in the sense where, at least as far as live play, you don't really know how profitable anyone is. And so uh -huh. you sort of default to those the people who get the bracelets or get the titles, but you really never know what the behind the scenes looks like for any of them. If they bought in, yeah, if they're buying in 20 times per event, or like what. we see these people yeah. with all these earnings on hand and like, you don't even know if they're actually winning players. Yeah. I mean, you have Deeb and Negranu at like, like they're like some of the most notable players and they're like multi-tabling every event, max firing bullets, every event that like it, it describes what you're talking about. Like they're, Chasing the player of the year, chasing the leaderboard, chasing the bracelets. Yeah. And post his results from last year and he got wrecked, you know. Yeah. yeah well, and, and yeah, actually it was interesting. I listened to him talk about that and he said he's gonna be doing less of chasing the player of the year because he that. wants yeah, to play. Told me that. Yeah. And I've played with Deep. Deep's an like incredible poker player, uh, incredible poker mind. But you play with him when he's chasing that. He's not playing his A game. No, definitely yeah. not. He's just firing fire. And the they're not they're not trying their best when so it's hurting their ROI greatly when yeah. they're when facing that player yeah. of the year. That makes sense. I'm glad you also brought up too, like how the unlimited entries kind of hurts everything. Because I mean, obviously, it, it, it's clear how it hurt the World Series of Poker circuit. I know all of us grind the MSPT circuit, and they've bounced back from single reentry to multiple, you know, or to unlimited reentry. And we had Blake Bond on the podcast maybe about a month ago or so, and he even, I mean, he stated himself, he's like, ever since they made it unlimited entry, it's been unfair. This is why I win. You know, it's like this is why I'm always there is because I have the bankroll to put myself there every time. So yeah. And um, because the the venues, the tours, they're all making more money that way. The prize pools are bigger. But yeah. in reality, in my opinion, it's short-sighted greed. And it's like the circuit's guilty of it. The MSPT is guilty of it. Every tour is guilty of it. And right. I don't think... Because they're, they're a business at the end of it. You know what I mean? Yeah, of course. They're doing what's good for their bottom line. But I think it's short-sighted. I don't think it's long-term. Maybe it is. Maybe it's sustainable. I don't, I don't no, know. No, I, I do. No, I do agree with you, though. I think I think that uh, it will hurt it in the long run. If you, Josh, if you were the person organizing one of these tours, let's say you could make a circuit of tournaments. There's like a stop, you know, a series of 10 days, you know, two weekend tournaments that were multi-day and then a bunch of events throughout the week. How would you structure the tournaments in terms of would they be freeze out, single reentry, freeze out, you know, in this terms of you can rebuy once or like buy in once per flight? You know, how would you and what events would you put in there? That too. I like <laughs> I like how MSPT used to be single reentry per flight. Yeah. Um, I think that's good. That's what the circuit mains still are for the most I think part. They are. I think that's um, right. I think the circuit mains actually yeah, the World Series circuit mains. Yeah, are I don't I as much but like let's preface this with we're dumbass poker players and they're professional businessmen that run poker tours so they probably know more than us yeah um, absolutely but, but i don't know another thing i don't care for is um allowing re-entry until you have seven and a half blinds and they all do that <laughs> yeah you yes. know yeah that's why i've been going down and playing florida more lately okay um, demo hard rock they closed re-entry at 20 blinds a great time to end it yeah i, I in like terms that. of like in terms of rebuying for us at least yeah i just think it, it just 
sucks the poker community dry when you can unlimited reentry until seven and a half blinds like the circuit does every tour does it you know really and i just yeah. i just I don't know it's and then the sum the circuit does also is the 15 percent payouts which in my opinion is also greed from them it's them wanting more people to cash so more people can have a min cash to buy in again you know yeah yeah, yeah. just recycling rake it's just a lot of decisions that are made worrying about their pocketbook that is all greed by them. That's okay. that's how I see it. And maybe I could be wrong. I haven't discussed it with anyone. That that's just it's just my opinion. So okay. that's why I play a lot less circuit stuff. I just no, I appreciate yeah. you sharing that's, that. That's super interesting because I actually thought the fifteen percent was kind of nice in the sense that like when someone, especially for the actual World Series, like some recreationals will go out and like it allows a few more of them to cash and sort of have that story, you know? Yeah. People like um, to cash. So obviously, yeah. yeah. Um, people like to make day two. People like to cash, you know, you know, everything that they recreational can do specifically, yeah, you know, just to say they have that under their belt. Mm -hmm. Um, One last question I had. What do you think is something that most poker players completely ignore that would greatly help them improve their game. I would say probably just paying more attention to people at the table. Mm -hmm. I think a lot of people are just not not paying attention enough to what's going on around them and all the information that they can get from that. Yeah, I think there's a lot of information to be had at a poker table in mm -hmm. live poker. It's a good one. I think in our last episode, Max and I talked a little bit about. Our one of our New Year's resolution resolutions was to, uh, you know, put our phone away at the table. Yeah, really, really take in everything and dial in because you might have a decision that could rely on some piece of information that you might have missed because you weren't paying attention to something they did in a previous hand with someone else. You know what I mean? Like it could cost potentially could, get, you know, make you a lot of money, just something small. So, yeah, I, I'm awful about it myself. Like I used to be a lot better, but like I say that my piece of information that could help people and i'm on my phone all the time too like to I, be, I'm not, yeah I'm and not to be dialed. fair yeah it's it's not easy to do i mean we're playing poker for sometimes 12 hours in a single day you know i mean having the capacity to sit there and focus the entire time is extremely difficult and it and it's tiring too so i just i mean you know, i'm just trying to use that as a, a starting point to you know when i am on my phone to recognize hey oh i'm on my phone i should set this down and pay attention a little bit and then i might find myself 30 seconds later looking at my phone again but again it's something to you know to remind myself like hey set this down time to pay attention again i find myself battling with it but it helps yeah me too that's why uh i like playing in deadwood yeah yeah they i love it you have, phone. have the rule you can't use your phone which that's seems ridiculous cool. but i like the rule like yeah I, I would never think that I would like it, but I kind of like it. You just have to engage more with, and you have a better time. You communicate with humans more like like it's like 2004 or something before we all had computers in our hands, you know, and especially with them. I mean, potential. I mean, not that this is really an issue right now, but, you know, people cheating as well. So, yeah, I could be better about not using my phone all okay. hours of my life in general away from poker. <laughs> True of many of us. You know what? That is an absolutely a great segue to uh, the last question I have for you here, um, Josh. And that's being, you know, someone like yourself who's a traveling pro. I mean, you've been traveling for what, over a decade now, pretty frequently, right? Or regularly? Yeah. How do you, I mean, so you're currently married, right? How long have you been married? Um, Since 2013. 
So okay, so, oh, I didn't even realize it was that long. Well, eleven years of marriage—that's incredible. I guess so. This question definitely hits for you. How do you balance, you know, work and life? Being a professional poker player, for example, like uh, how do you? I mean, I've seen your wife can travel with you sometimes. That's awesome. What um, do you do when you're not at poker to kind of balance that? That's the thing. Is like I think part of part that helps is like not grinding online. I think if I grinded online, she'd probably like murder me because like if I was, I travel so much. If when I was home, I was just playing online all the time too. It'd just be like poker, 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 you know? So like I try not to play as much when I'm home. So I think that probably helps a little bit, but also she's just like super supportive and understanding and helpful. And you found the right one. Yeah, she's great. We've been together literally over half of our lives now. We were together six years before we got married. So, dude, that, I'm super happy to hear that. You know, and I, I'm very thankful for my soon-to-be wife. You know, she's super supportive, supportive of me as well. And you know, I'm out just looking for whatever advice I can to make sure that I can balance playing as much as I do and continuing to make her happy. Obviously, her being the priority. Yeah, man, that's awesome. I, I'm I'm happy to hear that. Are you guys uh gonna? try to start a family afterwards or what do you think yeah so yeah exactly so within the next year and a half or so here i think we'll try and have our first kid and then you know we'll probably end up our goal is to have two kids so i mean the good news is we're both you know this is our both of our first marriages we're both in our middle 30s now so we're both a lot more mature than a lot of people are when they first get married i mean we both have our own houses and things like that so you know it won't be too difficult we're able to you know be self-supportive essentially so it works support each other well because of that if that makes sense that's awesome man congrats man i appreciate that yeah so again just wanted to holler at you and see what kind of advice you have for me um secondly being that you travel so much i mean are you staying at hotels at i mean at all these stops how do you deal with these expenses and like do you have any tips for like write-offs or like what do you do to make that sustainable um i do a lot of uh a lot of hotels a lot of airbnbs and yeah just Make sure you keep good track of everything and get yourself a good accountant. That's very helpful. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. I'm still looking for a good one. I had, uh, I used this guy, Russ Fox in Vegas. Yeah. Are you familiar with him? Yeah. He's very, very by the book, which is good for him. But I yeah. think he, ca- he, he almost screwed me out of a few grand once. So I decided I would never use him again. I called him out on him. He's like, oh, sorry. So I was like, all right, well, I'm just not going to use you next year. So. <laughs> I also had better experiences with other accounts than Russ. I don't want to like, I don't know what. No, no, he's not a bad guy or anything. I just, you know, very straightforward. Yeah. And I would say like, you know, I work with someone who is based in Vegas and his firm basically just works with professional poker players or other, other sorts of gambling related stuff. I think I've had great experiences. So if there's anyone out there who is like, looking for someone to help with that sort of stuff um feel free to read i can kind of refer you know if you want to reach out to me or i'll probably be i'll be i'll be hollering at you yeah (laughs) i'm looking for someone new this year yeah because i actually you know i know i have a friend whose dad has his own accounting firm and i don't use him because he doesn't work with gamblers and poker players having someone that specializes in that probably will make it a lot better because there's a lot of different things to take into consideration yeah absolutely um anything else josh that you wanted to touch on on um like home and work-life balance oh man i don't know just you know what what uh, what do you do outside of poker i know you shoot some hoops right yeah i play basketball i don't stay as active as i should but i like to play basketball i play uh 
Fortnite video okay games. you're a gamer i didn't know that okay yeah probably um, been playing too much again lately i i go on spurts of on and off i'll play and then i won't play that i'll play i, I, I do that same thing i used to play uh Fortnite back in 2018 like when like ninja and tfu were extremely popular i was obsessed with it i would sit there in uh creative and practice building for hours yeah they got zero builds now which is for like us old dudes that can't keep up with the 15 16 year old crackheads out there they are up. they are cracked there's no <laughs> doubt about that josh we're going to go ahead and get wrapping up here. I appreciate you taking a an hour out of your day to come and talk with us. This has been a lot of fun. Uh, what does 2024 look like for you? You're going to just going to keep at the grind. Um, I know you had a big, you know, a million in earnings last year. Are we going to try and eclipse that this year? Yeah, let's, let's shoot for the stars. Let's double it. I love that. I, I'm going to uh, be, I'll be behind you seeing that stops trying to, you know, get half that or a quarter of that. <laughs> Yeah, I'm taking it. I'm taking it easy. The beginning of the year here, I, I finished uh, pretty busy. The end of the year last year, I played quite a bit of stuff. So, well, I'm, Blackhawks gonna be my first stop. Then I'll kind of get it moving a little bit. All right, all right. Well, I'll be uh, I'll be gone up until probably I'll be playing local stuff until the beginning of March, and then I'll be traveling the MSPT stops again. So I look forward to seeing you there. Look forward to seeing you in Vegas. We're gonna have to do uh, dinner, lunch, and uh, whatever else comes in between that. Yeah, sounds good, man. Yeah, again, I appreciate you hanging out here and uh, we'll ha have a good day, all right, man? Yeah, appreciate you guys having me on.